Welcome to Still Pretty, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast from Chipperish Media. I'm film scholar and one creepy little dweeb, Noelle LaCroix. And I'm story expert and grown-up who sees the world through my job, Lonnie Diane Rich. And we are here today to talk about I Was Made to Love You, the 15th episode of season five. And those might be the most accurate identifiers we have ever used. <laughs> <laughs> I Was Made to Love You aired on February 20th, 2001. It was written by Jane Espenson. Because of course it frickin' was. Of course. And directed by James A. Kotner. All right, everybody listening, you should know by now that we are a fully spoiled Buffy podcast. But if you are not aware, this is your warning shot. If you have not seen all of Buffy and all of Angel and maybe some of the comic books, then probably you want to go catch up on that and then come back. I've had it with super strong little women who aren't me. Let's go on patrol. made to love you Buffy questions her ability to keep a man Xander corrects her quickly on that shit so one point to Xander but don't worry we'll be taking that point away again soon Joyce is preparing to go on a date while Buffy and Dawn tease her and there is a new girl in town I'm looking for Warren do you know where Warren is and if you do could you tell me at a party on campus Buffy gets Ben's number and shuts Spike down pretty hard right before April shows up looking for her boyfriend Warren Spike tries to take her mind off her boyfriend by whispering suggestive nothings in her ear. It does not go well. That would be wrong! You are not my boyfriend! The Scoobies gather to try to figure out what is going on with this strange girl. Robot. Definitely robot. Oh, absolutely. They decide they need to find Warren. Then Buffy goes home to relieve Giles from Dawn's sitting duty as Joyce comes home from her date. The next day, Buffy calls Ben to set up their coffee date and then goes to Warren's house where he's trying to get the hell out of Dodge with his real live girlfriend, Katrina. When Buffy shows up, Warren has something very, very important to explain to her, something Buffy cannot possibly know. She's a robot. Uh-huh. Spike shows up at the magic box, but Giles throws him out, saying that they are not Spike's path to Buffy. He goes home and throws everything he's collected, her pictures, her sweater, the mannequin, into a box. Meanwhile, at Warren's, he spouts off basic incel talking points at Buffy, so he had to build a sex robot, but then she got boring, so he ditched her in his room when he met a real girl who challenged him or whatever because it's all so terribly, terribly, horribly gross. Meanwhile, out at the playground, April meets up with Katrina and it does not go well. He cannot be your boyfriend. Say that he's my boyfriend. Buffy and Warren find April dangling Katrina by the neck. Buffy takes Katrina aside and Warren tries to talk to April, but in the end, he points April at Buffy and rushes off chasing Katrina. April starts to fight Buffy, but then her batteries start to wear down, and Buffy sits with her while she winds down, spouting chipperish nonsense to the end. When things are sad, you just have to be patient. Because... Because every cloud has a silver lining. And when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. And, and things are always darkest before. Buffy goes to talk to Xander as she processes the events of the day and figures out that maybe she doesn't need a man. Maybe she needs to be alone. 
She calls Ben and leaves a message saying she doesn't want to have coffee after all. Glory hears the message and wonders what the hell is up with that. Spike brings his box of Buffy stuff to Warren and places an order for a Buffy sex bot. Because of course he does. And then Buffy goes home and launches us into the Widonian tragedy of next episode. All right. So, Noelle, oh, my God, here we are. I was made to love you. This is a really fun, really complex, slightly insightful to the point of being uncomfortable uh, episode of Buffy. And um, I was curious, what do you think of it? I love this episode so much. I love it. I love it. I love it. This episode was made specifically to delight me. I love it. I love it. This is just, I, I mean wall-to-wall delight and then questions upon questions questions upon questions right it gives me feelings like i have i have a lot of big feelings about this episode Uh which is a funny space to be in Mm -hmm. when you know it's sort of set up as sex bot lol yeah 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 it is i love it i Mm -hmm. love it what do you think of this one um i really enjoy this episode now first of all jane espenson is uh, a writer after my own heart she's so funny and she's got such a like a, a really sharp sense of humor but like dialogue humor like the way that the dialogue flows from Jane Espenson's uh, pen is just amazing and I always enjoy I always enjoy your sense of humor I always enjoy your take on things Um, so I enjoyed this episode I would have enjoyed it anyway you know Um, there's a lot of stuff in it that I think is really really good and that I really like but also the whole time I was like oh my god Like, I think (laughs) here's the thing. Like, it's not a problem to have terrible people being terrible if we textually acknowledge that, yeah, this shit is not okay, right? We are textually acknowledging all over this episode, this shit is not okay, right? At the same time, I'm watching it and thinking, how brainwashed, (laughs) like, so many of us have been into thinking that some of this is kind of normal and acceptable from men and um and no it's not so there's there's just a lot of like i'm uncomfortable i'm uncomfortable noel <laughs> there's a lot i mean there's a lot of uncomfortable in this mm-hmm. episode and i think some of it is uncomfortable on purpose like oh uh, yeah we are supposed to feel You're uncomfortable su- we and some should of it, feel uncomfortable some of it i find some of it makes me uncomfortable and i'm not totally sure that that was the intent but i think yeah. we're going to get into that yeah we will um, mm-hmm. But I love, I love that this comes after Crush. Yeah. Because we went round the definition of Mulberry Bush last yeah. time mm-hmm. with Crush and what it means to love someone or be in love with yep. someone. And I feel like this episode just ups the ante. Yes, it does. I mean, Warren made April because he quote unquote deserved someone, mm. which, you know, ooh, a bouquet of red flags. I love those. <laughs> but he ins- he is insistent yeah. that she wasn't just for sex. And I'll get there in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, no, I made her to love me. And then he gives us this definition. Yeah. She cares about what I care about and she wants to be with me. She listens to me and supports me. I didn't make a toy. I made a girlfriend. 
Mm-hmm. And later he says she's only programmed to be in love. But in love here yeah. seems to be a highly specific patriarchal construct because Warren says he fell in love with Katrina, which I will also get to in a minute. Uh-huh. But he doesn't seem to do any of the things for Katrina that he claims April does for him. Yeah. I mean, he literally tells her to wait in the kitchen and shut up. It's... Yes. A little on the nose. Because love goes one way for this asshole. That it is all about, you know, that that she loves him. And what I find really interesting, though, is that Katrina, who, by the way, we see her here and we'll see her again in Dead Things, where everything, everything in this episode has a deep i mean it's dark like there's a shadow yeah. hanging over this episode but that shadow runs deeper when we get to dead things in season six where we see katrina again but here is katrina and what was his thing that he liked her she challenged him right oh my god um it's so gross yeah it's yeah. so gross yeah it's this like she was unpredictable and she quote unquote gave him a hard time yep. which Ew. <laughs> right. like, and, when, you, and when she does that here, he doesn't respect it. I think he liked that she gave him a hard time because it made her more interesting to subdue. Go wait in the kitchen. Shut up, Trina. Right. Uh, um, and that I find, I mean, Warren is disturbing on a million levels. There are a lot of things in this episode alone um, right. There is a lot of disturbing stuff about Warren, and he only gets deeper into the shadow the further we go with him in season six. Um, but it's this idea of love. I programmed yep. her to, you know, he she's only programmed to be in love. And then, of course, Buffy responds with, well, then she's dangerous. Yeah. You know, which is also a, a like shadow definition of love. Right. But it's also kind of what we've seen mm-hmm. so far throughout yeah. the show right. that that kind of passion or the way that right. the way that Buffy as a show defines being in love is dangerous. It is for everyone right. involved, really. Well, remember um, Riley, you know, the, his behavior was so reprehensible and his excuse was, it's because I love you so much that I can't see straight. But I mean, I mean, the stuff with Warren, like the Warren is super disturbing in this episode when you know what's coming. Yeah, um, he's disturbing which is in the this episode of... on its own. I mean, the episode yeah. itself is has a much cute, lighter tone. But Warren's tones in this episode, I think, are are absolutely shadow. And I mean, like, de- like, deliberately so. Like, I feel like that shadow is supposed to be there. We're supposed to see it as wrong, right? I mean, if... Do you think? If nothing else, I think we're supposed to get the impression that Warren really doesn't know what love is. Yeah. You know, it's you keep using this word. I do not I think, do not it, think means it means what you think it means. It means exactly. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's a really interesting and problematic thing, especially because we keep hitting the sex robot beat over and over and over mm-hmm. again. She wasn't just for sex. But in that yeah. is this underlying assumption that 
I don't agree with, Uh. nor do I completely understand, um, first, that having sex with a machine is wrong or creepy, and second, that it's extra wrong and creepy if it's just for sex. Mm -hmm. I mean, Warren... I'm not arguing that Warren is not a misogynist. I mean, he absolutely is. But I don't begrudge him a sex machine. No, I mean, like a sex bot is I think I think what it is, I think it's like there's a there's a relationship between the sex bot and the uncanny valley for me that has that that's where that gets gets weird for me. Like the idea of like machines that you have sex with. I mean, there are stores full of machines that you can have sex with, right? Like that is that is a booming industry and God bless them. They're doing God's work, mm-hmm. right? Um, so, I mean, that's fine. There is something about the the full human that is or the full kind of like human thing. Now, there are there are sex bots, not bots really, but like sex dolls out there, but they don't have the expression of like human, like the way that April is, right? There is something in built to want him, you know, built to love him, built to like see to his every needs. And because there is a level of, her taking action her taking initiative makes her feel more like a person and that and that line that i think we all should have inside of somebody has to really want to be with you in order for it to be okay for you to have sex with them when when something like april cannot give consent even though where is the line between her and a vibrator like really like where is the line i don't know i'm uncomfortable with it i have to say the whole april thing creeps me the fuck out well i think part of the reason that it's creepy separate from an individual viewer's relationship to the idea of having sex with a machine that is clearly made to be a person um it's not you know, there's there is a difference between a sex toy that is, you know, your your average handheld yes. sort of a you know accoutrement, a and this this uh, an thing item. Yeah. Mm-hmm. that is, you know, he says, "I built a girlfriend," and he clearly yeah. has this really really troubling relationship to women and what it means to be a girlfriend. I mean, to state the complete obvious. But there's also this larger conversation here, I think, about what the writers, the culture, and what we as individuals Mm -hmm. think sex is for and about. Mm -hmm. Because the thing that is supposed to redeem, maybe redeem is too strong a word, Mm -hmm. but like there's there's this tension between is she a sex bot who is just for sex? Mm-hmm. And is she something else? Yes. And one of those is more okay than the other. I mean, it fits really neatly into this narrative leitmotif mm-hmm. of this episode. Yes. That is relationships, right? Human connection, mm-hmm. how dating works, relationship dynamics from Buffy contemplating her relationship to men while training and beating up Puffy Xander because <laughs> – you know, no time like the present, I guess, um, to Joyce re-entering the world of dating and mm-hmm. having all of the nerves to navigating jealousy. Mm-hmm. I mean, Tara and Willow 
Anya and Xander mm-hmm. and the different ways that that shows up just in tiny little ways in those dynamics yeah. to the unexpected side effects of getting what you thought you wanted Yes. to denial of anything that doesn't fit your relationship framework. Mm-hmm. I mean, poor, poor April. Mm-hmm. She cannot she cannot conceive of anything outside of this yeah. relationship framework because she was literally programmed that way. That's what she's um, built for, yeah. And subtly woven into this whole this whole thing about mm-hmm. relationships and how they function and what they're for and where sex exists in a relationship is this notion that sex is only good and valid if it's with someone you love. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's not unique to this episode of this television show or to this television show, yes. of course. Um, but this is where I bounce really hard off of Warren is a sleaze because I don't think what he did is inherently problematic. The problem is his lack of care and consideration for both this thing, this this creation mm-hmm. where he's clearly like bitten off more than he can chew mm-hmm. programming wise um but also in his relationships with human people but the sex robot like i don't know i i reject the notion that building a robot human mm-hmm. to have sex with and maybe do other things with is inherently like sleazy or bad or evil that's just yeah. I, mean, I mean and that's just my like my moral compass and well, all of this it's a sex positive compass and i mean that's a thing though like when you talk about you have to validate sex through love right that any sex yeah. had without love is somehow dirty or wrong which is not the case sex had without consent is dirty and wrong If there's consent, whatever the reasons why people are consenting is really irrelevant as long as they are actually enthusiastically consenting. (laughs) Sex is good for you. It is like if it's something that you want, it is it's rad and wholesome. Yeah, no, there you go. It's absolutely if everybody is. I just got this email that came in that's like from something that says a woman's place. And I don't know what it is or why I got that, Whoa. but I found it funny in the middle of this conversation. And now I got to turn that's my universe, notifications like, off so that I don't. Trolling you a little bit. A woman's, a woman's place. place. It's, it's a woman's place is in politics. I think it's from the, it's for people supporting women in politics. So they sure. call it a woman's place. Um, but, uh, <gasps> but at any you rate. You have to leave this in. I don't. You have to leave <laughs> this in. Okay. I'll, I'll consider it. I'll consider it. But because it is, it is very like in the moment, you know, as we're talking about this. Okay. So anyway, so back to the whole, like, what's wrong with the sex thing? Um, form. Or like, what's wrong with Warren? Because I What's just, wrong because with it's not Warren is about his relationship with women and the way that he sees women and the fact that he has built this robot in in the image of of a very patriarchal version of women in which their sole purpose is to please a man. It is not a perspective that is missing from the rest of this episode, though. 
I mean, don't we open with Buffy saying if I can't, you know, drive off, uh, you know, I'll just drive off another man like them leaving was somehow her fault because she couldn't keep them, Um, you know, and and the way that she's looking at her relationship with men as to like, you know, what do they like? And I need to be something more that they like, because here I have Spike and Spike's all into me. And that's all complicated thing that we're going to talk about in a little while, too, Uh, Mm -hmm. because all I got to say about Buffy and Spike is the lady doth to protect test too much you know um so i mean it definitely loops around with the protesting there is both disgust and intrigue simultaneously would be my argument yeah 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 because we'll we'll get to that that's a whole different discussion um but the ways in which the ideas of love uh, specifically too with the way in which women are viewed both by the women themselves and by the men as as objects to made yeah. to please, right? Yep. Um, there is there's something in all of that that I find um, really disturbing. And I think that throughout, you know, Buffy's perspective on it, um, you know, Joyce's thing, you know, I mean, yeah, she's going on a date. And first of all, I love that we got Joyce going on a date. First date since Ted the robot. So I find that painful, you right. know, because God knows Joyce deserved to be getting some throughout this whole run. Right. If anybody yep. needed to, you know, get her bell rung hard during this process, <laughs> it was Joyce. And the only place I can think where that might have happened, you know, is like Pat in between season two and three. So maybe maybe she got her bell maybe. rung after after Ted. I certainly hope so. Um, but here we are with Joyce and Joyce is, you know, all nervous. And, you know, should we do this or should we do that? And what's going to please this man? And do I look pretty enough for him and all that kind of stuff, which is part of the dating thing. I mean, it's kind of that's a fun part of the dating thing. But still yeah, a fun part of dating. Yeah, can be, you know, dressing up and creating an atmosphere and and playing the whole thing. But it just was like this that on top of everything else that we deal with in this. Also, like, you know, the stuff with Anya and Xander. And in the beginning, we have Xander with Buffy where he's saying maybe the problem isn't you. Maybe it's the hell mouth. He rejects all of her bullshit about I can't keep a man. I can't please a man, blah, 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 blah. It's so great. It is really great. I love Puffy Xander. Then, so then we have him where he well actually is the fuck out of her over Chex Mix. She likes the Chex Mix. She appreciates the craftsmanship. The fact that it was made by a robot does not mean it doesn't have craftsmanship. Why you got to well actually her about that? I don't know, whatever. Then we have this, this really kind of lovely moment where Anya says, talking about April, she speaks with a strange evenness and selects her words a shade too precisely. And then Xander looks at her and says, well, some of us like that in a girl, you know, and and then she it's... just smiles at him. And it's so sweet. You know, it's so sweet. It's yeah. so sweet. Yeah, I think I read. I, I think I don't read quite as much. Well, actually, into the checks mix thing as you do. I think it's there's there's something (laughs) he can't just say hey here's the thing that you think is cool i think it's cool too that is really cool instead he's got to be like well it's not exactly craftsmanship because you know fuck off xander you know just (laughs) just smile like and especially in an episode in which women are constantly trying to bend themselves into the most pleasing pretzel shape for a man. Xander can't shut the fuck up about whether it's handmade. 
He can't just say, yeah, that is cool. He can't just validate. He can't just yes and for once with Anya. He's got to criticize everything she says. Nope. I stand by my original ruling. Bullshit. It's regardless. Yes. It's delightful. It's no, Anya it's loving really, Chex Mix is, is Anya is a delight in this whole thing. I love her. I love her. And then, you know, and then like she's that wonderful thing. And then later on, she calls back to that and she says, well, some men like that in a woman. And she grins at Xander. And it's just incredibly sweet. You know, it's just incredibly sweet. So I really like that. Then we get, of course, Xander later on talking about the sex bot thing. Right. And and again, he's like, he goes, I mean, what guy doesn't dream about that beautiful girl with no other thought but to please you yeah 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 and in a sex spot it's not so bad because at least she's not like a human girl that you're expecting that from you know um without you having any thought about what you do to please her you know um mm-hmm. then he's like willing to do anything and then he goes too many girls i miss oz he'd get it he wouldn't say anything but he'd get it and i'm like no i don't think oz would co-sign that shit i think oz no. would absolutely distance himself from that that Oh, God, just when I thought it was safe to go back in the Xander, like, (laughs) no, it's so bad. I know, we get Puffy Xander at the beginning, who's awesome. We get this sweet stuff, even though he will actually, but like, we get the sweet stuff with Anya, and then there's this shit. Yeah, it's really, really uncomfortable when he's, Mm -hmm. you know, like, he's being... He's being entitled and misguided, much like Warren is in uh-huh. his whole, you know, framework yes. of like creating this robot. But then to just look around at these women who are all looking at him like, um, hello, right. so, you know, sitting right here, you're just going to be openly misogynistic and you know openly objectifying right like we're busy like we all all of us girls are busy objectifying ourselves you know but to have you do it (laughs) (laughs) just adds a little more i don't need no i don't need no man to objectify me (laughs) i objectify myself (laughs) but it's so uh, it it really it speaks volumes Mm -hmm. and this you know, this like the boys versus girls bullshit that uh-huh. we're tr- that we're trying to make. We're trying to make fetch happen with the whole mm-hmm. men just want sex and yeah. women want connection. And it's like. Right. And sometimes women really? just want sex and men just want connection. And sometimes people want both or, you know, whatever. Like it's. Or neither. It, <laughs> right? There are people who don't you know, want yeah. either. Leave me alone and go away. And I don't want to talk about my feelings is also completely valid. (laughs) It's it is such a bummer, though, to see Xander be this like genuinely good friend to Buffy at the beginning and be like, hey, maybe, you know, because she's she's spinning a little bit. She's Mm -hmm. in her head about relationship stuff in a way that feels really like, yeah, it's within this framework mm-hmm. of, like, it is my job to mold myself into something that a man will want to be with. Yeah. But she's clearly thinking through all of the feelings of being grossed out mm-hmm. and being objectified. Like, yeah. what she's working through when she's punching Puffy Xander is the knowledge that she has been objectified by Spike. Yeah. 
whom she at least ostensibly does not find appealing and the grossness of that and the why well, can't what I it says about her right because she's going to it's not that spike has this fucked up obsession with me it's that i did something right yeah i mean doesn't she yeah. go into that like it's yep. not you know like apple does yeah. not fall far from last week's joyce tree right you know right um right. what have i done what did i do to attract him you know, there must be something about me that's just wrong and broken, you know. And I mean, the fact that she's attracted to him, I can see her questioning that about herself. I question that about myself every week when we talk about Spike and I love him so much. Um, <laughs> but but like, you know, so I can see her questioning that. But like the fact that like he was attracted to her and somehow that's her fault. Have you seen you, Buffy? Everybody's going to fall in love with you. Are you kidding? Right? I mean, yes, it's a and that is that is one of those like interesting, complex trains of thought. Right. Mm -hmm. Because in the moment I could see like the 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 incredible vulnerability of having been objectified yeah. when you do not wish to be objectified yes. or by someone mm -hmm. that you do not wish to be objectified by mm -hmm. um it does there there is this moment i think a lot of us have experienced this in life of like well, wait a minute i need to put up some sort of a armor mm -hmm. <laughs> you know mm -hmm. to fend off these advances yeah. because it's in our it's in our programming mm -hmm. metaphorically right mm -hmm. that it's because because it is your job to attract a man if you yes. attract attention that you don't want that's still on you yeah um but xander xander is not letting her go down that rabbit hole he's like look somewhat like you don't need to change mm -hmm. some guy is going to see what an amazing person you are and fall in love with you. Mm -hmm. And that is how this works. Mm -hmm. um, which is like wonderful, genuine, good friend stuff. Yeah. And then he has to be a misogynistic asshat in front of the women mm -hmm. who are his friends and partner. And yeah, you know, yeah. misogynism, you know, mis like misogynistic as hattery behind closed doors is not really any better but uh, at least you're not inflicting your your gross on the people around i don't i don't know i don't think there's anybody who's a misogynist behind closed doors who does not also take it outside with them everywhere well, they go. you know and like bringing it back to warren yeah. right mm -hmm. he's entitled he's incredibly misguided mm -hmm. and incredibly short-sighted i mean he doesn't fall in love with his robot creation the way he expected to but then he has this really twisted narrative about why he does fall in love with his human girlfriend who he treats like crap who he treats like crap yes i don't oh it's so it's so it's complex and it's gross. layered like it's yeah it is some layered layered bullshit that I think shows up in, you know, the the robot, obviously the the robot girl is a very literal mm -hmm. example of 
the objectification of women. Oh, yeah. She is literally Literally an object. Literally an object, yes. And I love her Uh so much. Why do I love April so much? April is... April is really interesting. And I think... Yeah, no, I think she's great. I think she's great. Like, first of all... um, I I always appreciate a character with a clear goal, like a clear, yes. active, specific, personal goal, <laughs> right? You know? So for me, like as a story expert, I just delight in April because she never wavers from what it is that she wants. It's just Warren. Um, the The programming, God, when you start talking about the programming and the ways in which we have also been programmed, Right. Buffy's bullshit about it's me, it's something I've done wrong, I'm not pleasing these men, what is wrong with me? Like, that is programming, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So when we look at April and we feel like, oh, God, you know, how sad that April's just like, where's my boyfriend? Where's my boyfriend? I hope that you can, too, find a boyfriend who will love you, right? Um <laughs> The disturbing thing about April is that that is not a million miles away from a lot of the programming that we've seen, you know, for for women uh, culturally, that that a lot of what we are told is that, first of all, we get our value through men. Right. Uh, That if a man loves Mm -hmm. you, then you have value. Um, And if a man does not, then, you know, whatever. And that is a very, very heteronormative way of looking at it. But there's there's this specific like Venn diagram of the the patriarchal effect on women, uh, like straight women's relationships with men um that uh that i am i am not i am not as schooled in the uh like the queer narratives that that may fly around the patriarchy as well um so i'm just speaking the patriarchy doesn't care if you're queer no the patriarchy (laughs) the patriarchy patriarchy is an equal opportunity stomp your face right yes um (laughs) but i think that this this particular expression is kind of like a um you know, what what are what's expected of women in order to please men. Um, and I think that there is a certain amount of um, I, 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 I would guess you can speak to this better than I can. But like, um, you know, that in any relationship, there is this sense of I want to please this person so this person can love me. So I feel validated by their love. Right. I think that's probably a natural human thing, no matter what direction or what the genders involved are. I mean, I think that there's there's definitely a socialized, mm-hmm. you know, ra- a raised and socialized female or feminine uh, angle mm-hmm. to that. Right. The, the the you know part of the reason that I love April, I think, is I identify maybe a little too strongly with the, you know, it's all for you, everything. Yeah, you know, my whole life exists for you. Uh-huh. I identify a little bit too strongly with that yeah. tendency mm-hmm. and that style of quote unquote love yeah. because that is what many of us who are raised and socialized feminine mm-hmm. are. And it drains taught. your batteries, does it not? It does. <laughs> I mean, it's when very draining. She starts oh. draining. Do you and not she's... feel that at a soul level? Oh my God. And I think that I mean a big part of what I love about April is that she's i mean she's so sincere mm-hmm. she knows her 
like she knows her girlfriend catechism so well. Yes. You cannot oh, make those suggestions to me. Catechism. I have a boyfriend. <gasps> Warren is I my boyfriend. I love that. Good girlfriends don't not, cry as part of the girlfriend catechism. Yeah, she's not angry. Mm-hmm. At least she's not angry until her understanding of her relationship with Warren mm-hmm. is fractured. Yes. She's she's tired. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, she's so sweet and sincere and when she starts to get tired, mm-hmm. I just it breaks my heart. Oh god, um, yeah. Because, you know, she gets as she's searching for him, you know, we see her get increasingly weary. Mm-hmm. I mean, she stays chipper yeah, throughout, you know, does. good honor. <laughs> but her batteries are slowly dying yeah. and she starts to experience more distress. Mm-hmm. Which she doesn't have at the beginning. At the beginning, right. it's just, hi, I'm looking for my boyfriend. Right. Um, you know, until we get to the espresso pump where she approaches that table of guys. And I mean, there's even a help wanted sign on the wall behind mm-hmm. her. Yeah. That's when she first starts to waver a little bit in the, you know, I've been walking for so long. Yeah. She's upset and rightfully so because she's been abandoned right but, but she's really not tricky, programmed to be upset or to have she's also any entitlement yeah. she's also this is this is what i find so fascinating she is also a machine mm-hmm. i mean she definitely appears to have more consciousness and self-awareness yeah. than warren bargained for right mm-hmm. but what are we supposed to make of this like program programmed built-in distress oh my god right why why does she feel pain why does she feel confusion like yeah yeah yeah, that has to be programmed in her suffering is a side effect of her programming which warren admits to Mm -hmm. he programs her to feel pain if he calls her and she doesn't answer that that moment is just creepy it's very creepy. Mm-hmm. And I think, and Buffy, certainly, and I think also the audience mm-hmm. comes down on the side of mistreating a machine is not okay. Right. But isn't that a juicy, sexy, kind of crunchy philosophical conundrum? Uh-huh. Because she's a machine mm-hmm. that has this, has some level mm-hmm. of consciousness and awareness and ability to suffer. That was baked in yeah. to her right. creation. Because her it's- suffering is not an issue for him at all. He creates her to be able to suffer. Which is fucking I think awful. That is, that's the scariest that's thing. The, I mean, out of all the things that he did, and there are a lot of really creepy things that he does, um, that I think is is the worst one and it's treated like yeah. a joke it's like oh you make it so she has pain you know if she yeah. can't find you or if she if you call and she doesn't come she experiences pain yep. and then and then you know buffy says you're one creepy little dweeb and we just kind of glide past it but no like that is that's terrible that's a that's a, yeah. a sadistic thing to do and mm-hmm. she's a machine yeah which I mean, in a show that raises questions about which demons are okay demons right. and which, you know, it's like, well, mm-hmm. does it, like, she's obviously suffering. Right. Does it somehow count less because she's a robot? 
it doesn't feel that way, but I keep going around and around what is in my the, head right. over the, like, where is that line? Like, when does it... What is the moral obligation? And I think that because, I mean, my my gut, like, line that I would draw is that we don't know what consciousness is, right? Yeah. We don't know where it stems from. If you create something that can feel distress, then you have to have empathy for that distress. You know, like mm-hmm. it's it, whether it's a machine or not, if a machine can feel bad, right? You know, like I think that there yeah. is erring on the side of empathy and kindness that you don't want to cause pain for anything, even though you the experience, the thing experiencing that pain may not experience it the way that you understand it on a human level. You know, that pain is pain and distress is distress. And I don't want my, I put my iPhone inside a little case and then I got a little (laughs) thing for it. I take such good care of my technology. My technology is loved, baby. (laughs) And isn't that, I mean, isn't it fascinating? Mm -hmm. Like we do, many of us anthropomorphize our cars. Oh, sure. Oh, I mean, sure. I talk to my appliances all the did time. Did you ever see like that episode? Of, did you ever see that episode of Community? It's like one of the early episodes where uh, Joel McHale's character comes in and he's talking about, hi, this is a pencil. His name is Steve and blah, 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 and talks all about Steve and then breaks the pencil in uh-huh. half and everybody goes, oh, you know, and he's like, it's a pencil. <laughs> <laughs> but if you give it a name, it becomes a thing. And so I just, I think that there is, um, there's something to that, you know, um, and, and where that line is drawn, I think there is a lot of like moral philosophy, ethical philosophy work to be done to kind of figure that out. But to me, it seems like why not, if you're going to make an error, why not make an error on the side of compassion and empathy toward everything and kindness and kindness you know because at the very least at the very least april's pain causes pain for other people it is hard to watch her suffer like that buffy sits with her in that moment at the end and tells her all of these lies right you know he didn't mean to hurt you and you know and i'm sure he'll be back for you and because she knows she's crying it, it makes me cry. I know. It genuinely does. Because she starts off, I mean, Buffy Buffy confronts April mm-hmm. earlier at the party right. mm-hmm. and says like, hey, maybe you need to stop looking for your boyfriend for a second. And that's when April throws her across the room. Right. And Buffy tries again once April is powering down. You know, she says, can you cry? Sometimes I yeah. feel better when I cry. There might be rust issues. And then April has one of my favorite lines in the whole episode. Crying is blackmail. Good girlfriends don't cry. That's one of your favorite lines. Oh, that line makes me sick to my stomach. I, it is, it is a delight. I mean, okay, I get it's a good line. What it represents, though, is disturbing for me. Yeah, well, and I think, I think what I love about it Mm -hmm. is the specificity. Yes. Of oh, that. Yeah. Like it is 
part of what I love about April, full stop, is her directness, Mm -hmm. the specificity of her desire and her programming and the way that she goes after that. Yeah. I mean, it's robotic because it literally is. Yeah. But the... The mixture, she's this fascinating mixture of self-awareness and not, of Mm -hmm. consciousness and humanity and not. Mm -hmm. And, oh, I love that even as she's, there is something, there is something deeply sad Mm -hmm. about that. That as she's powering down and she's confused, she's she's still so confused Mm -hmm. about what happened. Right. And she's, you know, she says, like, I've been through all of it. You know, I've been over all of it again and again. And what did I do? Mm -hmm. And she's basically she's having the conversation with Buffy that Buffy had with herself at the beginning of like, well, I must have done something. How is this my fault? Yeah. And I love that Buffy initially starts... You know, both at the party and on the swing set, Mm -hmm. tries to sidestep the programming Mm -hmm. a little bit. She tries to get April to see something in a different way. But April is literally incapable Mm -hmm. of seeing her role any other way. And it's then that (laughs) – I love – Buffy doesn't – Buffy doesn't refute that statement. Mm -hmm. You know, crying is blackmail. Good girlfriends don't cry. She just says, oh, in this – not in not in agreement, but in acknowledgement of how yeah. effective and how deep this runs because she is a computer yeah. April is a computer designed to run this program. And it's then that she switches tactics mm-hmm. and she tells April what April really needs to hear that she yeah. was a good girlfriend yeah. and that it's not her fault. Mm-hmm. And when she says, I'm here, I'll make sure he finds you. Yeah. It makes me cry. Oh, honey. Because something about empathizing with a machine. Yeah. And just being that loving presence with her while she, quote unquote, dies. Yeah. If there's something about that that's deeply moving to me, especially when you consider the timing. Yeah. Right. Is Joyce already dead on the couch? Oh, my God. While Buffy sits with April oh on my the swing God. set. Oh, my God. A lot. Noelle, what are you trying to do to me? (laughs) Hey, if I have to cry on the podcast, you do too. I always cry. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, yeah. It is so funny. It gets me in this way Mm -hmm. that very few things on the show do. Yeah. No, that is. I mean, that's really incredible. I mean, probably... Probably because of that uncanny valley that we talked a little bit about earlier that she is like, yeah, she's a machine Mm -hmm. running a computer program. In fact, we get to see some of her programming when we briefly get her Terminator vision. Yes. Can I just, can I read you this list? Because it's so funny to me. So when we see her, when she's in girlfriend mode, Mm -hmm. she has in her girlfriend file, she has kissing one and two, listen sympathetically, (laughs) give him presents. Sex, one through four. Mm-hmm. Praise, neck rubs, fetish, one through three. Positions, one through five or six. <laughs> and then when she switches, which I love, I love, by the way, how that undermines. Yeah. Undermines and supports the she wasn't just for sex. It's right. like, yeah, she wasn't just for sex, but she pretty much was, yeah. right? Like, mm-hmm. she pretty much was. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when she's in protect war in mode, start fight, kung fu, judo, karate, 
take a bullet, which, ouch, like, <laughs> fuck you, Warren. Uh, uh, well, fuck yeah, you so is hard, she man. designed to feel the pain of that bullet? Well, like, who knows, right? right? Who knows? And the last the last one is destroy obstacle, mm-hmm. but it's misspelled, <laughs> which feels so... Yeah. I don't know. That feels on brand, right? Yeah. Yeah, it feels so eerie in its accuracy. Yeah. But she's, you know, ultimately she is a computer mm-hmm. in the shape of an attractive young woman who is running a program. Yeah. But also, well, she is, yeah, but she is for all intents and purposes a human woman because that is how people respond to her. Well, there is that, but there's also that we're also playing and running the programs that the women in this episode, like Buffy, is also programmed. Like, yep. you know, there's the stuff that, that you see, like, you know, women like Buffy specifically, like in this episode, but like we see these kinds of things in general, this idea um, that many women believe, you know, that there's something that I did wrong, that, you know, I'm not a good that in order to be a good girlfriend or a good mother. I mean, let's not forget the mother programming too. sacrifice everything. <laughs> oh, yeah. Give up everything That's... that you are um, or you're a terrible mother. You know, um, like the the mother programming is also super, super damaging to women. There's actually programming for every identity <laughs> culturally. We've got damaging programming for every identity. Um, and, uh, and it's all because stuff that needs to be rooted to, out. Mm-hmm. We love to put things in boxes. Yep. We love to, we, we love that. We just yeah. love framing things out. So it's like everything, everything that is, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. A through Z goes in this, and it's, that's right. your role and anything. And it's because, that- you know, usually whoever, whichever identity was in power made a decision about how the other identities should be subservient to them. Um, Spooky language to control people. Yeah, no, it is. I mean, this is the thing about this episode is like, yeah, it's fun and it's cute. And then, oh, my God, like it is shining a light on some things that are like really deeply disturbing and incredibly accurate, like painfully accurate, you know? Um, yeah. So I find that whole thing um it's so good and it's so interesting and i think it's an important thing to look at but i mean that's where april for me it is very hard for me to see april as a machine i i can't help but see her she's steve the pencil you break her and i'm like oh (laughs) and if you have sex with her when she is incapable of consent that also feels really really gross and that's where the sex bot thing bothers me while at the same time, I completely and a hundred percent support people having sex with things that are objects, <laughs> like machines made for that purpose. I'm a hundred percent on board. Especially, I mean, I I actually I love, I mean, I love and and loathe Willow and Tara kind of empathizing with Warren <gasps> at the beginning. Oh my goodness. The I mean, talk about a dark underbelly of shadow a- of this episode. Yep. Oh my God. Well, you know, when when Warren's name is first mentioned, when Willow says his name with Tara sitting right there and it's all like, yeah, no big deal. Like, and of course it's no big deal because they don't know what he's going to become, what he's going right. to do. But it's 
fucking horrifying. And you think about Warren and and then we see Katrina, right, who we're going to see again in Dead Things. And that is a very deep, deep shadow episode. Like that is dark. Oh, man, it is. um, Yeah, it's disturbing. Like the and what happens to Katrina. And the thing is, is that Katrina in this episode and in Dead Things, it's fucking kick ass the whole time, right? She's so great. Yeah. I love She's her. great. And what happens to it's- Katrina is horrifying, you know? Um, what Warren does to her, I mean, in this episode and especially in Dead Things, like it is truly, truly upsetting. And then, of course, we end, you know, this discussion with Tara having sympathy for Warren, feeling sad yeah. and sorry for Warren. Um, yeah. And uh, like, in a vacuum, it is sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. In a vacuum. Sure. You know? Yeah. And I think, you know, looping back to my, like, sex positivity robot neutrality yeah. rap from mm-hmm. the beginning of the episode, Tara says something about i think she uses the word share Mm -hmm. she says everyone wants someone to share with and it's not totally clear if she's using that as a euphemism Mm -hmm. for sex or if she's talking about relationships in general um but i don't think it really matters because she's talking about the connection that she and presumably everyone else at that table Mm -hmm. experience with their partners or you know would like to experience and having having that sympathy for someone who is unable to find that in a human person yeah. and uses that as motivation to build mm-hmm. a robot. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's just oh, Tara is too. She's she's too good. You know, she's really too good. She is good, I, but she I don't is, know what else to say. <laughs> she is what I think. I, she is an aspirational character you look at her and you think yeah that's what i'd like to be i would like to be a person who could have that level of kindness and and you know for everyone like her ability to see everything and to try to find you know somebody else's perspective and to see them in a kind light you know um is is really incredibly beautiful and we see that from tara all the time you know um at the same time i see that and i think aspirational and i also think tara this is not the world you live in. People are fucking awful. Well, yeah. Well, she has one little moment in this episode uh-huh. when every when uh, April walks into the party mm-hmm. and everyone is noticing yeah. this girl and talking about how attractive she is, which mm-hmm. I'll get to in a second because yes. I, I that's an interesting that's an interesting line of conversation. Yeah. Um, but everyone is talking about you know how attractive this girl is, and Willow's like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. and the look. Yeah. That Tara gives Willow? Uh-huh. I mean, damn. Right. And she shuts that shit down so hard. <laughs> it's but it's so funny because we never see that from Tara. No, you never do. But that's also like a dynamic. I mean, Tara is also like a human woman who finds women attractive. I kind of expected Tara to be like, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know? Um, well, Except that, you know, and this is another thing that the show does over and over and over again. And again, not unique to not unique to Buffy, Mm -hmm. but this idea that if I am in a relationship with a person I find attractive and I find anyone else attractive and even acknowledge that attractiveness, then that's 
trouble. Right. Um, I know. And that's, you know. And I guess that's why that is I the jealousy programming. See. That's the jealousy right? programming. That's the insecurity programming. And like, I kind of wanted to see because, you know, like, I mean, I can recognize when somebody is attractive. <laughs> You know, like it doesn't the fact that I'm with somebody that the person I'm with also finds people attractive. Like, I think it's I think it's not a reasonable expectation for them to not find people attractive. The expectation is if we have made an agreement that you are not going to act on that attraction with anybody else. That's the problem. (laughs) You know, finding them attractive, expecting somebody who is who is still a living human to not find any other humans attractive aside from you. I think is a little bit weird. And for me, I feel like Tara's Tara's evolved past that. <laughs> you know. So I But don't know. I just I mean it's cute, I don't, though. I mean, I it's don't a cute care. moment. I don't care for the jealousy. Mm-hmm. I do love the facial expression. Oh, no, it's it is adorable. So funny. It's adorable. It's so funny. But speaking of aesthetics, yes. This is one problem that I have with like big yes. big problem that I have with this episode, not thematically but in it in that it takes me out mm-hmm. of the story you know everyone's talking about oh that girl that was a nice looking girl they respond to april like she's extra attractive yeah. but to me she just looks like all the other women on the show <laughs> she's i mean she's I, beautiful like nobody's going to argue that she's not beautiful but everyone is like you know shockingly beautiful it's a problem. Mm-hmm. It is a problem with TV. Because there's no because like everyone, regular looking humans on TV. Well, everyone normal, <laughs> yeah. air quotes, you know, everyone who's supposed to look normal is still so heightened yeah. because visual media, right. this is fantasy. Mm-hmm. We're telling ourselves the story of what we as a culture find attractive, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and all of the the, you know, often uh, oppressive mm-hmm. standards that are implied in that. But when your core cast yeah. is heightened from the general population by nature of being on TV, yeah. to me, if you want to create a character who's extra attractive, you've almost written yourself into an aesthetic corner unless you're going to cast somebody who looks very out of place. Like you if can. she had looked like how overly can- like I think the way that I would have wanted to see it with April, if you were going to make her this heightened sort of, you know, mm-hmm. over the top sexiness, right? I would have cast somebody with a more, I don't know, the the word that comes to mind is like, mature but i think what i actually mean is like cartoony she almost needs to look super over the top over the top um yeah but that would presumably undermine the humanity which is really right the no, thing that i love so much it is i mean it's it's April. really really tough uh there's um there's a movie called The Truth About Cats and Dogs, right? Have you ever seen that yes. from like the mid 90s, right? Yes. In which Janine mm-hmm. Garofalo, Janine Garofalo, let me just say it again. Janine Garofalo is the ugly fat girl, <laughs> right? And I know. it's, it's, uh, yeah, my oldest child uh, absolutely flips a table, like really wants to love that movie, <laughs> but flips a table whenever we watch it. Like, <laughs> so it's, there's, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. So it's one of those well, things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's such a, you know, like I re- and I realized that by saying that, oh, she looks, you know, <laughs> she looks too normal for the show. I'm probably part of the problem in this. But it does pull me out of the narrative and that they're talking about they're talking about her like she's well, this right. remarkable example of feminine beauty when to me, I'm like, I'm looking at all of these beautiful women and I'm like, I don't yeah. like there's no contest. Yeah. <laughs> like it's not. No, they're all <sighs> as as beautiful as humans get. They are all all of them, the men, the women, all of them as beautiful it, as humans <sighs> get. That's what we've got here. Right. So when you yeah. have somebody who is supposed to be even higher up on that scale, which is not humanly possible, because look at the people that you have <laughs> in your cast to begin with, then you end up kind of giving creating this gaslighty feeling. Like, you know, yeah. I mean, the 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 actress who played April, absolutely beyond beautiful. Right. But so oh, is everybody yeah. else. So the the choice that you have then is to bring that down to, um, you know, to like a, a, a just don't talk about how pretty she is, you know, because she's pretty. We've we've got that. But so is everybody like everybody's beautiful in this. So there's there's nothing to be gained from that. Um, but the thing that is really, really tough, though, with um, with stuff like this is that when you are creating like um, TV, movies, books, whatever, you are showing not how it is, but how it feels. Right. Mm -hmm. So like these big romantic moments, it's it's like everything is perfect and the wind blown hair and all of that kind of stuff. And it's like how it feels (laughs) when people kiss. Right. When people kiss in real life, it's like watching a dog eat peanut butter. Like you don't really want (laughs) to be a witness to people kissing who are real regular people. But when you are kissing. Right. You're in that moment. It feels like the wind in the hair. And the, so the representation in television is this is what it feels like, not what it actually is, because we're trying to get across that sense of, you know, um, at the same time, I think that the uh, there is a um, a support for this very, very narrow um like sliver of of human expression that is considered classically or conventionally beautiful whereas uh, lots of people are beautiful like so many more people than that are beautiful and beautiful in different ways and beautiful in ways that are that are um interesting and um and less like conventional i guess but still beautiful and still attractive you know and we can see that in you know, I think we're seeing more and more of that now in our media than we were oh, in, say, the late I '90s, so. early early aughts. Um, so we're seeing more, you know, quote unquote, normal looking people being presented as attractive and beautiful, and in a way that is no less attractive or beautiful than the conventional idea. You know, uh, so we see a little bit more of that now. We're kind of spreading our, our definition of beautiful now. Um, but I think our definition of beautiful is, again, like more of this like counter human programming, like this programming that we have in ourselves that that hurts us. Right. Because I don't know, like about there are people that I know in this world who I think are stunning humans, beautiful humans. Right. 
And all you ever hear from them is, oh my God, I'm so ugly. I look terrible. And you try to get them to admit that they are beautiful and it is like pulling teeth, right? Um, Such a difficult thing because of exactly this kind of thing, because of the way we have representation and, and, you know, all of our models and like photoshopped every, you know, um, spread in a magazine on, you know, like everything, every photo uh, spread is photoshopped within an inch of its life, you know? Um, So it creates even less reality in what we accept as beautiful, creating an unattainable standard for absolutely everybody else. So I just, I just went off on that for no real reason. There's no real story reason to have that discussion. I just thought I'd throw it in there. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying everybody out there, I want you to say I am beautiful because you are fucking beautiful. So stop letting shows like this make you think that you're not. Unless you don't want to be. Well, you know what? Unless you don't want to be. Even if you don't want to be beautiful. Um, sometimes I don't want to be this athletic and good looking, but, uh, you know, we all have our crosses to bear, right? You know? Um, if, if you don't want to be beautiful, that's fine. Then you don't have to acknowledge it. But I'm saying that, like, there is beauty in everybody. Everybody is attractive. Everybody can be attractive, you know? Um, and I just, I don't know, like, I find this very, very narrow sense of beauty to be super, super damaging for a lot of people. And it is also completely unnecessary. It is also bullshit programming. We are yep. all programmed. Yep. <laughs> Which is why it's interesting to notice it. And when you, for me at least, I will notice the programming mm-hmm. most mm-hmm. when it is not working. Yeah. When I feel like, when I feel like the media I'm engaging with mm-hmm. is telling me, yeah. this person is extra bonus, super attractive. And I'm like, nah. Really? I mean, beautiful, yes, but extra that's bonus. That's when you super? see. I yeah. feel like that's when you see the strings a little that's bit. That's when you and do. And it's just, yeah. I like, I like noticing that, and also, you know, in a story about mm-hmm. objectification of women, and yes, you know, creating the quote unquote perfect woman. Yeah. We have to have everybody. Everybody within the world of the show has to be on the same page about. Yeah damn this girl is amazingly good looking yeah and and that is an impossible page to be on in this world so um okay (laughs) so speaking of good looking though uh can we take just a moment to talk about spike's hot tight little body um we can (laughs) yes we can go there if you if you must go there we can go there i I must he's very pleased with himself in that line is he not very pleased with himself and here is the thing like you know how much i love spike right you know how much i love spike and Spike annoys even me in this episode. <laughs> um, oh, God. Yeah, like Spike's whole thing. Um, you know, he goes up to Buffy. Um, you know, he's he's teasing her and all that. And like, fine at the party. I do enjoy when he makes the suggestive remark to April and then gets thrown through the window. Um, so I find that interesting. <laughs> Um, and, and so I, I enjoy that a little bit, but I think that the moment when he, um, when he comes into the magic box, he tries to talk to everybody and they're like, uh, we're not having it. And he says, Mm -hmm. misrepresentations, misunderstandings, slurs, and allegations. I don't know what Buffy told you, but, and at that moment, yep. Nope. (laughs) Fuck off, Spike. Like, you know, I love Spike through everything. And this pissed me off so fucking hard. The invalidating of women's experiences by men. 
no, do not like, unsubscribe. I was so angry about this. And then part of me was like, oh, good. There's part of me that doesn't like some of Spike. So maybe, <laughs> right? Because I'm judging myself because I like him every week, you know? Um, you got it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's fun to unpack. Uh, yeah. It's fun to unpack the stuff we like and the stuff we don't and the stuff that we will you know, glide over because we're like, eh, he's got For cool the hair and charm cool leather jackets. Cool hair and leather jackets. Yes, exactly. You know, um, but, he just infuriated me in this episode. I hated him. Yeah, it's, oh. Oh, God. And oh, then the box awful. of and then, things of course, bringing them to mm-hmm. Warren to get a sex spot I was spot just going to say. Which feels, okay. Oh, now that's a question. That's a question. Okay. He wants a Buffy sex spot. That yes. is a huge violation because it is Buffy. Because he is stealing her identity. Yes. It's still a violation. (laughs) Even though having a a robot just for sex, having a machine made for sex is not morally wrong. But this bot thing, that the human bot thing and and having it stealing Buffy's identity so that he can have sex with her without her consent. It's all gross. This is where like this is where we definitely get into Mm -hmm. my my own personal sex robot gray area. Okay. <laughs> Seriously. Yes, right? Which is, there is a difference between, there's a difference in my mind between creating something inspired by, maybe inspired by a set of features that you find attractive or you think you will mm-hmm. enjoy and making a copy yeah. of another person of a real person. Mm-hmm. Now, now, <laughs> no, I'm interested in the, hearing like where you twist. land on this because, well, okay, I am of I am of several minds okay. on this because let's pretend for just a second the spike goes to Warren, gets his Buffy bot, who presumably is made from recycled parts of April. At least, I would partially. guess. We never find out. I don't know. We never find out what happens to the remains of April's. No, remains. yeah, and I know. That's one says, thing I was wondering about. That she just kind of yeah. dies off there, and they're sitting on the swings, and then that's it. You know, when she says he'll take me home and it'll be okay, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh god, he's gonna take <gasps> her home and use her for parts. It's chilling. It is chilling. Um, I didn't think about. I mean, that. and that's my that's my head cannon. Yeah. But here's the thing. Here, here is here is a thing mm-hmm. for me. In the imaginary world where Spike takes all of his Buffy paraphernalia Mm -hmm. to Warren, gets a Buffy sex robot, goes off into the sunset with his Buffy sex robot and is never heard from again because he lives happily ever after with his Buffy sex robot, where is the harm? If it, like, if it keeps him... If it keeps him away from her Mm -hmm. and contained (laughs) and not hurting anybody, I, you know, this is this like celebrity with Buffy. I don't know. Here's the thing. I cannot argue. I cannot argue against what you're saying. I see what you're saying. I don't have an argument against it, except ugh. Like, except you, right. I know. And like, well, and like, that's my argument, yeah. too, is essentially like, I don't like, maybe, maybe there's like a moral or ethical problem here that I'm not 100% on, you know, aware of. I mean, 
the the ethics of using someone else's image mm-hmm. without their knowledge or consent is definitely problematic. Well, how? Yeah, I mean, but I mean, like. <sighs> Uh, what, but I mean, weird... at what point, though, like if somebody is, you know, um, and, and pardon where this is about to go. But, hey, you know, we're talking Uh-oh. about sex bots. But like, you know, I mean, if somebody like masturbates to a picture of of somebody they like or to an idea of somebody they like, like where where's the line uh-huh. there? Where's the violation there? Well, and some people, I mean, some people will not. Um, because these are the conversations yeah. that I have with my friends, right? Yeah. Some people will not fantasize about other people without their consent. Mm-hmm. I know several people yeah. for whom that is a line mm-hmm. that they have set with themselves. Um, and I, you know, it's very, it's tricky mm-hmm. because if something is existing in the realm of fantasy and we can argue about how much or how little mm-hmm. A robot made in the likeness of someone who is a real person yeah. in your life mm-hmm. is like how much of that is fantasy and how much of it is reality and how much uh, of it, you know, yeah, like how much of it crosses a line? Like, OK, first of all, like I don't have any answers on any of this. I honestly don't. I all I have are questions because I'm not sure. I just know that my gut, like in my gut. <laughs> I've got, ugh, you know, like it feels really yeah. super wrong. And I have yeah. an argument in my head that I'm not going to share because it's a slippery slope argument. I hate that fucking bullshit. And it's a straw man argument. <laughs> and I hate that fucking bullshit. And I'm also not going to say it because it's disturbing as fuck. But anybody who's thinking it, go ahead and think it. I there's a line. There's a line after which it is not OK. And for me, that line, the line of ugh, is like at the robot that looks like a human that has human behaviors um and that like there's something about that and that has the ability to feel pain like if they have the ability to feel something if you program Uh distress into this Uh thing i just it's just it's it's just like there's just a lot of and like and like spike even if he took the buffy bot and went away you know with antarctica away you know, like <laughs> away, right? The ugh yeah. is still there for me. It's it is a there. violation of she has said no. And when he creates something in her likeness and has sex with it, he is taking away her no in a way that bothers me. I don't know. I might, I, I can totally see where I'm wrong. Like, even as I make the argument, the only thing I have to back it up is, ugh, and that's not an intellectually yeah. like stable position, ugh, you know? Um, well, and I mean, I mean, and of course I'm on shaky ground here too, because I'm sure there are all kinds of, I think you make yeah, a compelling argument. <laughs> what about, well, mostly, all right. Yeah. Mostly what I have is like, genuine curiosity yeah <laughs> i'm like i just i i have a lot of genuine curiosity about the sex lives of fictional people yes. this is really <laughs> i mean i have curiosity well, about no, the sex lives of real people as well but an opportunity to ask some of these moral questions in a space where no one is actually getting hurt so right. uh, you know i you know me i am like 100% pro fiction like let's let's work in these spaces <laughs> to ask some of these questions absolutely but yeah like i have i have a lot of questions i don't have any answers aside from like this gut 
moral stopping point, you know, just in my gut. Um, I think that your arguments about like what is wrong with a sex bot, I think your arguments are solid. I think you've got good arguments and I, I want to agree with them. I don't have any intellectual la- like ground to stand on. All I got is ugh. It's just, that's all I got. So I I am not saying that I am correct in this. I think that your arguments are really good. And I I feel a little shamed of my own like lack of sex positivity (laughs) that I'm not, you know, that I'm going with that space. But um, yeah, I don't, I I think it's really interesting. I think that the conversations that are going to happen in the Discord channel are going to be fascinating. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that and I think that the conversation about making specifically making a sex robot in the likeness of an actual person based on mm-hmm. stolen clothing and photos and drawings. Yes. Um, With no consent. That conversation has to exist under the umbrella of a misogynistic society that is incredibly dangerous yeah. for women and routinely objectifies women so like another thing about a any Uh crunchy philosophical conversation um you know especially with respect to things like like sex and gender and Uh bodily autonomy is we have to have those conversations with a uh awareness of the the systems (laughs) that are in place Um, yeah so this episode yeah this episode noel (laughs) Like this, I love this episode. episode. I love it. But I like, love it, I, love it, I, love I mean, it. it's it's entertaining on the one level, but it's also like exposing all of our fucked up societal programming that we need to now deprogram. You know, um, asking these really interesting philosophical questions. Like this is sci-fi. This episode is goddamn yep. what makes sci-fi great, right? This is a yep. great sci-fi episode, even though so much of it makes me go, ugh. And now all I want to ask you, Noelle, is what are you wearing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Joyce's mom slash sex kitten dress. Oh, my God. I How, love this. I mean, I love, first of all, I love her daughters. Yes. Like, taunting her mm-hmm. and and making her spin around which is adorable um, yeah. and i love so much that joyce comes back and taunts buffy with her sex campaigns. i know this is the best joyce we've ever had i love her best joyce she's having such a good time yeah. and then her i left my bra in his car <laughs> line okay I love it so much. Yeah. I really, really hope that all of her, you know, dating is so fun. I really do hope that she got hella laid. Yes. But I hope the so. line, mm-hmm. but the I left my bra somewhere bit mm-hmm. doesn't work even for one second because there is not a bra in the world that works with that dress. No, it should have been it underwear. A- it should have been I left my underwear right. in his car because also that indicates uh you know, a, a further more, progression of the activities of the evening, which I think would be even more third, fun. Third base at, type. At the very least, right? Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, I yeah. Mean, that is a spaghetti strap halter, and it ties <laughs> in the back along the bra line. And I'm like, you don't fool me for a second. But I want, you know, yeah. like, could you get away with saying, I left my panties in his car? Oh, my like, God. Whoa. I would have loved that. I don't think they could have done it. But no. But I think I would have loved it if they had. But it's, it's delightful. Mm-hmm. I love... I love Joyce. 
wanting to I like look Joyce pretty. getting some. I like yep. Joyce having a goddamn life, right? You know, I mean, finally, <laughs> as and we say that in the episode before, uh-huh, next week, I know. you know, which we're going to have to deal I with. I know. Widonian tragedy. Widonian it's like, tragedy. I mean, yeah. Jenny Callender gets her neck snapped right after she finds the cure for Angel. Exactly. It's like, this is how this shit works. It's obnoxious. We see your misogyny. Yes, we do. Mm-hmm. In the piles and piles yeah. of dead feminine bodies uh that we feminine bodies everywhere yeah it ain't it ain't great it ain't great um all right so you got a girl power moment of the week oh not with a girl pal babe i mean we've talked about so many of you know buffy's wonderful Mm -hmm. you know but buffy's wonderful well and her her wonderful realization at the end that like i don't need a man and she calls and breaks up with ben you know yeah um which is good you know man i don't have to i'm not gonna you know, Ben can can go off and do his thing. Yeah, right. and there's okay, but there's speaking of Ben, mm-hmm. there's just a tiny little. I'm I'm confused. Yes, I'm confused by this. Okay, when Buffy calls Ben, yes. we see Glory doing her transformation mm-hmm. orgasm. Thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then it's Ben, and I'm like, what? Yep. What? Yep. How? Mm-hmm. What? It's like, I mean, for half a second, we're like in an Andy Warhol short film yeah. where I feel like something is going on below the frame that I'm not seeing. <laughs> and then it's Ben, and I just, I, uh, what is that? Why is it there? Because we wanted than- to show Ben wearing a dress. Oh. That's because uh, oh. the joke is, oh, look, here's Ben Be- in a dress. Because, because lol, yep. boy in a because dress. Because lol, oh, boy in man. a dress. But yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I have many, many questions about how the whole Ben Glory thing works, and the show does not care to answer them. So <laughs> we can move the hell yeah. on. But I do love, I love Buffy deciding, uh-huh. you know what? I'm just not going to try. The I'm not right going to play this game. Like, I mean, it would not be it, it would be nice if she had been like, "Wow, I I kind of see the programming." <laughs> you know, if she <laughs> if she had at least referenced the Matrix, you know, in this thing. Yeah. Um, but I like that she has that, and you know, we're going to see that again with her cookie dough thing um, at the end of the the last season. The the being mm-hmm. with a man is not a defining thing that she needs in her life, and I like that. Yeah. I think yep. it's pretty good. All right. So what's your favorite part? Oh, it's Buffy and April on the swing. Yeah. You know what? I'm I not mean, even going to pretend. Me too. Like uh, the best if part. If I'm going to cry over it, it has to be my favorite part. Right? That's like the rules or something. Them's the rules, baby. Yeah. Them's the rules. It's so beautiful. It's such a beautiful moment. And her empathy for a robot, I think, speaks to uh, humanity. That it's, it's Steve the Pencil thing. Like... It's anthropomorphizing an object and like, I get it. And maybe it's not really human, but the fact that Buffy sees her as human and is extending kindness where kindness may not be ethically or morally mandated. And yet it is given anyway to me is beauty and grace. And it's one of the things like humans are fucked in a million ways, but that shit is pretty cool.
If you enjoyed this conversation, would like to join in, connect with the show on Twitter, follow at Chipperish, and use the hashtag #StillPretty. This episode of Still Pretty was brought to you by the Chipperish media producers who support us on Patreon at the power producer level. These people are the reason why Still Pretty is coming to you free and ad-free right now. So thank you to our July producers. And this week's special message for our power producers. Ever think maybe the reason you haven't found a great relationship on the Hellmouth is because it's a Hellmouth? <laughs> Actually, Dr. Kelly Jones thinks that Syracuse is a Hellmouth, and that explains a lot of things about my life. To find out how you too <laughs> can support Chipperish Media, visit patreon.com slash chipperish. Other ways to show your support, write a great review on Apple Podcasts, tell your friends about the show, or put your hands on Spike's hot, tight little body and make him leave. We will be back next time with The Body, the 16th episode of season five. Until then, we are not your friends. We are not your way to Buffy. There is no way to Buffy. Buffy.